Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. On first down, Folk sets to throw toward the end zone. That's Marks. He got it. Touchdown, Cougars. Without a doubt, coming out into nature is one of the neatest things there is to do. But you also have to be careful. That's why I always try to pack a try to pack a gun. It's just a little bit. Pack some heat. Now this isn't too, this isn't much of a big boy. I don't want to kill the animal, but I do want to warn it and say, hey, I think you're pretty neat, but I respect your distance. There's bears out here. There's mountain cougars and a biting goat. <laughs> I need is that. Michael Preston. Literally any time I can get an excuse to use Rodney Pepperbottom, I will do it. I will do that. <laughs> Welcome to the Kook Center Hour post Oregon State win, post number 25 ranking in the CFP, post bowl eligibility for the second straight year, three of the last four. It's a pretty darn good time to be a Washington State Cougars fan, isn't it? And I, <laughs> I, I, I've said before on this show that I am very happy the players don't share my memory, they don't share my thoughts, they don't share my concerns, because man was I mad and very down in the dumps when they were down 21 to nothing to Oregon friggin' State. Oregon State led them 21 to nothing at one point in that game. And they came back and won. They did exactly what we've seen them do time and time and time again in the last year and a half. Or in the last season and a half, rather. Get down, come back, beat other teams. Now, granted, it, I, don't, I don't think they'd ever done that to a team quite as bad as Oregon State or gotten behind to a team quite as bad as Oregon State. So it was shocking to see that. But they still did exactly what they have been doing for the last 18 games and change. They've been coming back against other teams and they've been beating them. Generally. And they did it again. I guess I don't know why I bother to doubt it anymore. <laughs> to doubt that if they, if they have an opportunity to come back, they will try and take it. I mean, now, granted, every team does that, but it just seems that this team has the propensity to do it more here in the last couple of years. On September 12th, if I had looked at you and told you that a month and a half from now, WSU will be ranked in the college football playoff rankings would you have believed me? Raise your hand. Put your hand down, you liar. There's no way you would have believed me. The same way, if I told you the same thing last year, there's no way you would have believed me. There's just no freaking way, man. I cannot, I, I genuinely cannot believe the turnaround this team has made. In the last seven weeks. Beating Idaho is the expectation. You don't get you don't get special praise for whacking the crap out of the Vandals by half a century. 
But to run over Oregon and Stanford, hold on against UCLA, hold on against ASU and Tempe, and to come back and not roll over against an inferior opponent on the road. These are all new things for Washington State fans, at least relatively recently. This is not something that you're used to. You're not used to seeing this. What a changeover it is. And to hear these guys all talk publicly, look, our goal is to get to a Rose Bowl. That is our goal. That is what we want to do. And I, it's not necessarily that I believe them because I believe even if someone had said that during the Paul Wolf era, that they would have meant it. Yeah, they would have meant it. It wasn't going to happen, but they would have meant it. I believe that they can do it. I believe that if they continue playing this well this year and a couple things break their way and they play the right way, it can happen. This is not like last year where they were eliminated from contention a few weeks before the end of the season, where the Rose Bowl was an impossibility. It is a very real possibility right now with four games left to go in the season. You just got to win, baby, win. You are in control of it. You are in control of what happens from here on out. The same way the other teams in contention for that bull game are, and the same way your rival is in contention for a spot in the national semifinals. Which, by the way, you will in all likelihood get a chance to knock them out of later this month. Unless they lay a turd against Cal or USC. This is not the same football team of even last year. And I'll say it again. I cannot believe we are where we are with this football team right now. After what I watched against Eastern Washington. After what I watched against Boise State. Now maybe the first half against Boise State. I cannot believe we are here right now with this football team. You, If you had told me that over a month and a half ago, there's no way in hell I would have believed you that we would be number 25 in the CFP right now. And with a chance this weekend against a not very good football team to move up even higher, to move a few spots higher. You need some things to break right, and that's fine. I understand that. Just like you do in any time this happens. You need things to go right. You need people to lose. You need other teams to lose when you win. That's what happens. But they have a chance to move up even further. And to continue to win over the next few weeks going into that Apple Cup, it arguably sets up the biggest rivalry game we have seen in quite a long time. In a very long time. But we gotta focus on Arizona, right? Focus on Arizona. It's dad's weekend. Too early for the dads to get inebriated completely. Well, I don't know. Maybe you could, <laughs> give the old college try. Um, but a sold out crowd again at home. And just, just get off to a faster start than you have the last few weeks. <laughs> it's been brutal against ASU. And against Oregon State, they've gotten off to woefully slow starts. I don't know whether it's just because Luke Falk needs to get 
hitting the ribs once to get woken up or what, but somebody just smack him in the face in the locker room if that's what he needs then. <laughs> that's what he needs. If that's what this offense needs to get woken up right away. Yeah, you know, it happened, but whatever. You know, you get woken up, you gotta get woken up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do want to talk about one other thing. We are doing a shortened show. Uh, we're doing a shortened show this week. Life just kind of got in the way a little bit here. Um, so we're doing a shorter show this week. I do want to talk about Robert Barber again, though. And uh, he has filed a petition for a stay of his suspension from Washington State University. And Stephanie Lowe, who's done a really excellent job reporting on this for the Seattle Times, uh, kind of broke it down that his attorney, Stephen Graham, filed the petition Wednesday uh, saying that the conduct board violated uh, some state administrative procedures, uh, including not holding on to Robert Barber's questions to ask witnesses, the fact that there were 60-some-odd witnesses uh, that police interviewed. None of them were at the conduct board hearing. Antonio Huffman, uh, who is the uh, director of football operations for WSU, wrote uh, that he believed that one of the the board, the chair of the board, Lisa McIntyre, was trying to put words in Barber's mouth, which he thought put Barber at a disadvantage because, quote, he's a very respectful person and very deferential to authority. I said a couple of weeks ago, this all smells really bad. And I'm starting to wonder if information we got earlier this week, late last week, that the university president cannot take any action on a suspension but can on an expulsion, whether Barber's expulsion was reduced to a suspension to specifically relieve Dr. Kirk Scholes of any responsibility to act on it. I, I'm, I'm legitimately wondering that. It's very conspiracy theory EE, but I'm wondering that. I'm wondering whether the Student Conduct Board knows they made a mistake but can't admit to it. And I'm, I'm just, this all reeks of bad process. It all reeks of overzealousness, which I've said time and time again. And we're finding out, if, if nothing else, what this is doing is bringing to light the misdeeds and the inappropriate behavior of the Student Conduct Board. Senator Michael Baumgartner, who's did a lot of work for the WSU Medical School with Elson Floyd, says he's been getting more reports from other parents about students who feel they've been mistreated by the conduct board. If nothing else, what Barber's situation does is it sheds a light on that. It shines a light on a very unfair process from a board that has an undue amount of power, it seems. From a board that wields too much power to affect a student's life. And when they say it is their specific intention to ensure that Barber never graduates from WSU, that feels vindictive. I mean, I guess that is what an expulsion is, but that it just seems... We know that's what an expulsion is. You are expelled. You can never come back here. You don't need... To say that, moreover, it is our intention you never graduate from here. That's the point of an expulsion. That's, an, that's the entire damn point of an expulsion. I don't know. I, 
I, I, I've seen and been now privy to all these things shown to us over the last few weeks. Anecdotally, I'd already not been a big fan of the student conduct board, but again, if nothing else, Barber's situation allows us to shine some light on what is a bad process. And WSU's defense of it late last week was just malarkey. Well, it complies with all constitutional... Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. And they're hiring a lawyer to look over... I, I just... I don't care. I don't care if it meets all constitutional requirements. Congratulations. You're doing the bare minimum. I, I, I just... I, I have a hard time taking seriously an organization that before criminal charges are even brought against someone that they expel him. Now, look, I, I, if we're talking about a more serious crime here, I understand. Seriously. That's not to make light of second degree assault. That's violent assault. But we do not know all the facts of this. And the party that this apparently occurred at, there were lots of mitigating circumstances in that. The prosecutor hasn't even decided if he wants to file charges. Robert Barber is not a threat or does not seem to be a threat to anybody else in the Pullman community. If you view this person as a threat to other people... I mean, I, I can't really say anything else to that. I don't know why you would view a kid who picked up one assault charge, not even, it hasn't been, he hasn't been charged by the prosecutor yet. Why do you get to make your decision on that before the court system does? We're going to see how this plays out. The petition's been filed and Barber could be back on the field as early as the Colorado game. But I guess for me, the more important thing is that he finishes his degrees. One credit shy. One class. Literally, that's all he needs. And I would hate for his diploma to not say Washington State University on it. When we come back, Jason Bartell, AZ Desert Swarm. We're going to talk a little bit about the Wildcats in the upcoming Dad's Weekend game here. On the Coug Center Hour, the Arizona Wildcats coming to the surprisingly balmy uh, Pelusis weekend. About 60 degrees and sunshine on Saturday, it sounds like. Jason Bartell from AZ Desert Storm, our sister blog covering the Wildcats, joins us now to talk about them. And uh, Jason, 2-6 and six on the season. No conference wins. Dead last in the Pac-12 South. I imagine this is not how most folks in Tucson imagined uh, this year would be going for the Wildcats. Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> um, 
it um we there probably weren't a ton of people that expected it better much better at this point because we have gone through what looked like the toughest part of the schedule when the year started mm-hmm. we've already we've already gone through washington ucla usc stanford utah we've already been through what looked like the best five teams in the conference before the year started maybe that's not the case now but yeah it's oh and five is not exactly what people have been looking for I know there's there's been a big issue. This is going around the conference this year, it seems, just in terms of keeping players healthy. That it's been a big problem uh, at Arizona as well. A new Solomon's not completely healthy. He did play a little bit last week, uh, but there have been injuries elsewhere for the Wildcats as well. Correct? Yeah, especially at running back. Um, the well. Two of the top three running backs are out pretty much for the year with injury. The other top three running back was dismissed from the team for a domestic violence issue here. So mm-hmm. Arizona's actually so last week we actually played Samaja Grant at running back, who's really a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and Arizona did that with Tyrell Johnson too. So the last few games they've been playing a wide receiver at running back to go with whatever is at quarterback that particular week too. So it's. Uh-huh. been interesting and linebacker got hit a little bit and got hit again this week with Michael Barton in the last game so mm-hmm. it's just been an interesting couple of years on the injury front down here we'll talk a little bit more about the defense uh here in a bit but I, I do want to focus on the quarterback because as you mentioned it's kind of been whoever's back there for Arizona a new Solomon who most folks know uh, has only attempted 33 passes this year it's been primarily Brandon Dawkins uh, just summarize his performance for us here. He, he's running for a lot of yards. He's a dual-threat quarterback, and I never liked that against the WSU defense. But uh, how has his performance been so far this season? Yeah, uh, Brandon's um, his throwing game leaves a little bit to be desired, and I think that's because of a rib injury he suffered against UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since, like before then, in the well, in the second half of the Grambling game and against Hawaii. And even against Washington, he was throwing the ball pretty well. But then once he suffered that rib injury against UCLA, that's sort of gone downhill a little bit. So defenses are kind of forcing him to make plays through the air, and he's just unable to do that. He's great on the ground. He's basically a second running back back there. But when defenses are playing nine in the box, it's kind of hard for Arizona to get anything going on offense right now. Is it is there that big of a do you think this team would be a little better off if a new Solomon was completely healthy or is it because we I think we you can correct me if I'm wrong we saw a little bit of back and forth between the two of them last year would this team be in better shape with a new healthy or is this just a matter of Brandon Dawkins is the best option at quarterback right now well so last year um, Dawkins actually really only played against ASU and that was after um, Gerard Randall got that start Gerard mm-hmm. Randall might be who you're thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's, yeah. A, yeah. he's another guy that would basically just run. <laughs> and, yeah, that was an interesting one, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the talk all fall camp was how Anu Solomon and Brandon were competing for the job and neck and neck. But then we got to that opener against BYU, and Anu struggled pretty bad in that game. And if it was really as close as Rich Rod made it seem, you would have thought Brandon would would have gone in that game at some point, mm-hmm. but he never did. Um, Brandon never played in that BYU game, and he only got the start the next week because Anu actually got hurt in the following week's practice. Mm-hmm. 
he suffered his knee injury on that Wednesday of practice the next week. So I think Anu, if healthy, would be the starter, but the offensive line play has just been so poor and inconsistent that I'm not really sure that it would matter who was back there, especially without having a true running back that's actually skilled at that position to kind of help offset things in the backfield right now. We talked about injuries a little bit, Jason. I think uh, offensive line for Arizona is another area where they're suffering from that. But as you also mentioned, they're just not doing a good job uh, protecting the quarterback or allowing running backs to pick up yards right now. Is that really what's holding this offense back, you think, and that they could be performing a little bit better if the quarterback could be protected? Yeah, I think Arizona's offensive issues are primarily on the offensive line right now. Um, it doesn't help that you have a redshirt freshman at center who's basically starting because the projected center uh, sadly passed away during fall camp this year. And then you've got a guy like Freddie Tagalo who transferred from Cal who just hasn't panned out and has been suffering from a knee injury the entire time. Like, Offensive line is definitely where I put most of the blame on what's Mm -hmm. going on with the offense right now. Offensively, uh, sitting at uh, not very good in S&P, 70th overall, 56th in terms of their rushing S&P+, passing S&P+, a little bit worse. Is there one guy Washington State really needs to worry about on the offensive side of the football. We know Trey Griffey's name because most of us are Mariner fans up here. <laughs> but but is there, is there one guy on the offensive side of the football that uh, WSU really needs to worry about this Saturday? You know, I would, I'm would. i going to go back to who's playing running back right now, and that's Samaje Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, like, for his first career college start at running back last week, he did look pretty okay for only playing the position for a week and a half or whatever it's been Mm -hmm. um so i think having him back there and then maybe a little more healthy dawkins or a little more comfortable dawkins (laughs) who's not just because his his game back last week was the first time he's played in three weeks or whatever it has been so maybe with dawkins a little more comfortable and samaje with another week under his belt at running back i think samaje would be that guy We'll flip over to the defensive side of the ball now. And, uh, Jason, you mentioned those injuries uh, Arizona's, again, dealing with on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, do you think missing Scooby Wright uh, is maybe maybe making a bigger impact than some folks might have thought this year? Was he really that important to this defense that things have kind of gone by the wayside? Or is it really just all these injuries that have been piling up uh, for the Arizona defense? I mean... Missing Scooby is obviously a huge blow. That 2014 year, he's he wins all those Defensive Player of the Year awards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And last year, last year was kind of indicative of how much the offense relied on him because he did miss basically the entire year. And Arizona goes from a 10 and two regular season team to a seven and five regular season team. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, losing Scooby is a huge deal. But I think the just the overall defensive recruiting has been bad, so there's not a ton of depth there in the first place, which is one of the primary reasons that Arizona completely overhauled the defensive staff last offseason. None mm-hmm. of those assistant coaches are back this year. It's fresh faces with new recruiting ties and a whole new attitude with the whole recruiting thing. So I think there's just a lack of bringing in the proper talent to compete defensively in the Pac-12. 99th uh, in terms of defensive defensive S&P plus uh, right now. Uh, So the the whole defense as a whole, Jason's a little weak. Is is there one area that Luke Falk 
uh, can look to exploit. Uh, he, he has a pretty wide range and wide berth of what to do when he wants, given to him by Mike Leach, but is running the ball or passing the ball uh, a little bit more effective in terms of moving against uh, the Arizona Wildcats? Yeah, right now, I think it's going to be running the ball. Um, the, at the beginning of the year, I definitely would have gone with passing the ball, but mm-hmm. the corners and the safeties have actually, they look a lot better at this point than they did, say, BYU game at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive line is just so small. Um, like the biggest guy that they run out there is like 260. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the linebackers are pretty depleted as far as speed goes. Arizona's going to be starting Jake Matthews, who admitted to us this week that he can't run as fast as he could last year after a foot, after a massive foot injury he suffered against ASU last year. Uh-huh. So it, it's just, I think... The weakness is going right up the middle at Arizona right now. Mm-hmm. So he plays right at the middle, so I can send a carrier pigeon over to Pullman and tell them to put the ball yeah. right in the middle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe not the best thing to open. I don't move as fast as I used to. Oh, really? You don't? Oh, okay. We'll take that info and run with it. Uh, Rich Rodriguez has been in Tucson uh, since 2011, correct, Jason? That was his first year uh, at Arizona? Um, 20... 12 was his first Okay, 2020. So he's been in Arizona for roughly as long as Mike this Leach. Is his, this is his fifth season. Okay. It's just, yeah, it's that go, same yeah. offseason as Leach and Moore. Okay, yeah. there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, so uh, where does he stand right now uh, with the fan base? I know 2-6 and six can't feel good, and uh, you got to win them all the rest of the way to be bowl eligible. So it, this game is crucial from the standpoint of you need to win the rest of them to be able to go to the postseason. But where does the fan base kind of stand right now uh, with Rich Rodriguez? Yeah, the the overall feeling we get is that it's pretty split um, as far as people that maybe want the athletic department to go in a different direction with the football team and people that are chalking the last two years up to all these crazy injuries that Arizona has suffered. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it was two years ago that Arizona was in the Fiesta Bowl, so, mm-hmm. and that was the third ever 10-win season at this school was 2014. So, I mean, like, it is interesting that people are kind of calling for his job a little bit. I'm definitely not in that camp. I think Rich Rod has done a great job with what U of A gives him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, there's it's super split among our fan base, though, on what people want moving forward after this year. Give me a prediction for this Saturday. What do you think is going to be happening? Uh, rough final score uh, for the Cougs and Wildcats and Pullman. I mean, I don't see this going very well for Arizona, to be honest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know that the road teams won the last four or whatever between these two teams, but I don't, I don't see Arizona doing particularly well against this kind of offense and i'd go something similar to what we saw against stanford like a 40 to 20 ish game i think mm-hmm. well we're wearing we're wearing roughly the same uniforms we wore last time you guys pounded us in uh pullman so <laughs> maybe a little good karma on, off on that uh yeah. az de- the uniforms man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey it, look i i take any advantage i can get okay that that's all i'm saying <laughs> AZ Desert Swarm is the website. They do a good job covering Arizona football, and it's not been an easy year to do it, as we know 
well up here, Jason Bartell from AZ Desert Swarm. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Mr. Jason Martell for joining us and talking about the Arizona Wildcats on this abbreviated edition of the Kook Center Hour. Our Dunderhead of the Week. Well, this is, it's another Pac-12 coach and not, you know, not uh, Rich Rodriguez. He hasn't done anything. Gary Anderson apparently took issue with something Mike Leach said after the game on... Uh, after their game last weekend. And it, it surprised me a little bit, to say the least. Um, so Gary Anderson went on with John Canzano in Portland uh, and told him, I couldn't tell if he was trying to start a campaign for Coach of the Year or trying to compliment Oregon State. Who knows? Maybe Mike is campaigning for the postseason awards. I'll have to ask him when I see him. Interesting comments, to say the least. Now, you would think... You would think that... That would be, like, something Mike Leach said, that would be kind of like, oh, you, like, slide it at Gary Anderson. This is what Anderson was talking about, was this quote. This is what he thought was so inappropriate. It's always been a tough place, that being Reeser Stadium, to play, and they've played everybody tough at home this year, and we're no exception, Leach said. They're an explosive team, and they're a talented team, too. I mean, they're every bit as talented as we are. Any notion that we're some insane juggernaut of talent, that's not really the case. The best team wins, not the most talent wins, and so we're fighting like crazy to be the best team. Gave the Beavers a compliment. Said his team kind of played like crap, both accurate. Can someone find for me what Gary Anderson has to be mad about there? He's campaigning for Coach of the Year. Let's be clear about something. If everything holds up, Chris Peterson's going to win Coach of the Year. I, I, that, that, that is what is going to happen. I mean, it would, it would take a pretty massive UW turd laying for that to happen. Either that or Mike McIntyre at Colorado. Mike Leach is like maybe number three on the list this year. Maybe number three. You need Kyle Whittingham in there too. So let, let's let's not play about that. Come on, Gary. He's nowhere near that. If anything, he's dumping on his own team. Because, quite frankly, Oregon State does or Washington State does have more talent than Oregon State. But what Leach is saying is that look, we, you know, we didn't play as hard. We could have played better. They're an explosive team, a talented team. They're every bit as talented as we are. So it's either a compliment that you are very talented or that his team is not very talented and that he doesn't feel like they played very well. I don't know, man. <laughs> Gary 
Gary Anderson, our Dunderhead of the Week, because he's mad about something. I don't know what. No idea. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael anything. At Mr. Tommy G, man, Tom Gilanella. More apocalyptic event. Cubs win or Indians win in the World Series? They are about to play as we record this. Uh, so I, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go with Cubs. I think that would be more the case anyway, right? Because the Indians have at least gotten closer uh, in the past than the Cubs have since winning their last World Series because the Indians got to the World Series in 95, lost to the Braves. They got there again in 97 and lost to the Marlins. Right? With like Omar Vizquel, Jim Tomey, those guys. Kenny Lofton. God, I hated Kenny Lofton as a kid. It's got to be the Cubs because they hadn't even been to a World Series since 1945. It, it's got to be the Cubs. At West Coast Bias 11, Nate Kelly, best Chinese entree. I'm a big fan of Szechuan... Szechuan chicken. I'm a professional newsreader and I can spit it out. Uh, but specifically from Golden Teriyaki in Pullman. I'm not going to get into big which restaurant is best in Pullman debate. We're just not going to do that today. But I like their Szechuan chicken. I do. I like it very, very much. And, and I, I just happen to like it from all other places. I, you know what? Golden Beef's okay too. But uh, I'm, I'm a big Szechuan chicken guy. Get some vegetables in there. At Not Kenna, Matthew K. Hosting an election night party next week. Ideas for political themed treats and snacks. Trump cakes, Clinton casserole. We normally don't do political stuff on the Kooks and but I'll make an exception for food-based things. Um, my first suggestion would be to not have a party. I, I, I don't like to talk politics with anybody. That would be my first suggestion. For Trump, it's got to be something orange, right? <laughs> it's got to be like Cheetos. Uh, like a Twinkie, maybe, I think. And then for Clinton, I'd probably go with like tapioca pudding. Just like something really boring. Ooh, ooh, uh, you maybe like, uh, like get a Twinkie and dust it like a different color so it's not like that. I'm colorblind, it's like orange or whatever. And then you put like a uh, little like button thing so it looks like a pantsuit. That, I like that idea too. I really like that idea. Those are all good. Washington State 52, Arizona 21. How about a 50 burger this weekend, boys? We'll see you next week on a longer edition of the Kook Center Hour.